Hello and welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We're back for another express post, but this one doesn't feel like it's going to be too express, friends. Um, We're obviously here first and foremost to talk about the Matildas' loss to Nigeria. It was a 3-2 defeat up here in Brisbane. There's a lot of emotions swirling around. There are a lot of takes swirling around. So we are going to try our best to wade through the shit show and have a chat about what this result means, what this performance looked like and all of that stuff. There will also be some chat about the other World Cup games going on because as we learnt this morning, there are actually other World Cup games going on outside of the Matildas. But first and foremost, we need to crack into Tilly's chat. But before we do, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Yuggera people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For this episode, you have a full house, me, Marissa Lordanic, Sam Lewis, Anna Harrington, and Angela Christian Wilkes. So besties, uh, we simply have to start with a vibe check because... Just off the bat, the vibes aren't good. So a vibe check from whoever would like to start us off. The vibes are fucking rancid, aren't they? (laughs) um, Sorry, that's just the vibe I'm picking up from. No, that's it. That's what I'm picking up from That's the whole episode. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you you go from being through in the, what, the first minute of first half stoppage time, you're you know, you're on the way to being through to the round of 16 with a game to spare. And by the end of that match, you're teetering on being knocked out. You're third in your group. And everyone in Australia seeming about 4.88 million, according to the um, the release I got from Channel 7 this morning, people at least, and the rest of Australia who watch from wherever or even just paid attention to have said, what the fuck happened there? <laughs> that's, that's the vibe I've just got from everyone that's, how I felt. I think that's how everyone was feeling watching those goals, those Nigeria goals, sorry, go in in the second half. It was bad. Like, to, to cut to the gist of it, after the, the obviously the Emily Van Egmont goal was was good, but, um, you know, we talk a lot about creating chances. Yes, there were a lot of shots, technically. There were a lot of corners. There were a lot of balls play forward, but were there many concrete chances? Um I'm not going to go full XG because that's not my that's not my strength. I'm just going to go on what I see in front of me. And a lot of the chances, they weren't great. And then um, after halftime, Nigeria makes subs. Australia don't make subs despite I think a couple of players looking a bit gassed. Um, uh, uh, sorry, I forgot before halftime. Failing to close out a half. Um, the lack of game management there, the numbers forward, Ellie Carpenter inverted and forward as um, Nigeria were able to stream down that wing. Um, it's bad. The second goal, a mix-up from a set piece, also bad. Um, the third goal is just a disaster. Um, we know that. I think Alana Kennedy and Mackenzie Arnold would well and truly know um, that. I think the big question was, why were there no substitutes in between that second and third goal? Like... I think there could have easily been a change made before that, but for me it just seemed criminal that there weren't any made after Australia goes down 2-1. And then all of a sudden it's 3-1. The game is all but out of reach, let's be honest. I know Australia had some chances late. They scored. Alana Kennedy scored that header late. Um, But it was really too little too late. And, I mean, Australia weren't particularly convincing in attack against Ireland. I'm, I'm... I don't necessarily agree that they were much more. I thought they started the game really confidently on the ball. The vibe was quite good, but didn't really capitalise on it. And in the second half, they just felt stretched. Um, It felt like Nigeria on top. And then once they put their, changed their subs in, they really hit the ground running. And yeah, it was bad. I I think Tony Gustafson was out out coached in the second half. I think the sub or lack thereof, and then the choices of subs were, were diabolical and I would be shocked if he didn't go back and reflect and think the same, to be honest, because it was bad. I I think we can go into a bit more depth, but I'd rather get a couple of other vibe checks before we just get into my thoughts on everything that went wrong. Sam? Yeah, I think, like, in addition to being sad, I'm just kind of confused, you know? Like, it, it was a really weird game and it was a particularly weird second half and I've been trying to figure out why <laughs> sorry listeners I have been quite sick over the last week and I'm still sort of carrying it 
um, which probably isn't helping. But um, it it, uh, the, it it was just such a, a such a contrast from the kinds of assured, managed, confident performances we'd seen from the Matildas over the past eight months. You know, especially in that second half, like we we'd been talking so much recently about how well they had learned to manage a game. And all of that, like everything, just seemed to go out the window. And I'm just, I just don't really understand why. It seemed like maybe it was a combination of of the the decisions from Tony Gustafson to not make any substitutions when he needed them, of you know being kind of shell shocked from the the equaliser that Nigeria scored um, in the last kick of the first half, um, and maybe just the just the, the weight of it all, just the, you know, like stuff has been piling up on top of this team for the past week. You know, they lost Sammy, they lost Mary, they lost Ivy. Um, people were sort of, yeah, like creating, I guess, a maybe a false expectation that they were going to be able to ease past Nigeria because they're Nigeria and, you know, you know, it's Nigeria, they're from Africa, right? Like how good can they be type of like a little bit of yikes, um, sort of opinions about that that um, continent in terms of their football. But, like, Nigeria were great. And, of course, they were great. Did anyone watch them against Canada? They were a really excellent team. They had their game plan and they weren't flustered. And I think the, big, the biggest um, difference between the two sides at the end of the game was that Nigeria had the aura of danger and we didn't, you know? Like and you desperation as well, Sam. Yeah, desperation. And, you, like, they just sort of had, like, every time they they went forward with the ball, you felt like they could do something. And I didn't feel that way with the Matildas. And that was probably the first time that I had felt that for a while. And I've been still trying to figure out why it is. And I, I just, I don't know, maybe it's just that they lost belief in themselves. Um, I, I, yeah, again, confusion. It's my overwhelming feeling at the moment. I think a lot of it, um, I know you mentioned you're right, Sam. They, there was the talk about Sam Kerr. We know the Mary Fowler and Ivy Lewick incidents happened. But I thought generally the vibes are pretty good around this team. They beat Ireland. I think everyone acknowledged it was a hard-fought hard win. It was hard to create. They put themselves in prime position. They were the only team in this group after the opening round of games with three points. Like, if anything, the pressure was off. It was like, you win this, fucking fantastic, and you're through to the round of 16 with a game to spare. I know you, when you write your permutations and every story, you're writing that, and then you say... Even a draw puts you in a good position to, you know, not have so much expectation on you on the final day. And you go, geez, if they won, and even if uh, Canada and Ireland are drawn, they top the group. Anyway, all these things don't matter now because now they're on the verge of the absolute embarrassment. I think it'll be a 20-year low of being knocked out in the group stage at the Home World Cup, which is what this has all been building towards, right? Like this is what Tony was brought in for. This is what all the... In- not just all the investment because, you know, you want to leave a greater legacy and be competitive beyond this one flash-in-the-pan event, right? But this is what it's all been built towards. This is what we talked about building depth for. This is the talk about playing top international opponents um, to do well at this tournament on home soil. And unless they can pull one out of the fire against Canada on Monday, which is no guarantee because Canada aren't exactly locked in for the round of 16 either, and they lost to Canada twice last year. Um, they're at risk of one of the most embarrassing, or they will make the most embarrassing exit of the the past twenty years. Like, and that's with all the investment. And at, at the end of the day, the, the if it will probably if they sorry if they don't win on Monday, you'd have to think that will cost Tony Gustafson his job because his job is clearly to do well at a World Cup and getting knocked out in the group stage is not part of it. They do still have a chance, obviously, to pull it out of the fire and then, you know, all this reaction looked very dramatic. But based on what you saw last night, it was not good. Um, the substitutions, I think, were the big talking point to come out of this. No substitution till the 82nd minute and the first move that was made was taking off Courtney Vine, a winger, for Claire Polkinghorne, a central defender. Um, that game was screaming out for Alex Chidiak or if not an Alex Chidiak, a Tamiki Yellop to come on and give some run give something different um even a Claire Wheeler like honestly um we talked so much we were talking so much in the lead up to this tournament about how depth has been built and how exciting that is no fucking good having depth if you're scared to use use it it. if you don't back those players in which clearly they don't 
clearly you don't back these players in to come and adjust the course of a game at the 60th minute. And I don't know if it's Tony's just had an absolute mare or if it's um, that they don't trust these players to come on and do a job earlier because it was just far too late. And we saw how much Alex Chidiak did create once she came on. Mm. Um, Alana Kennedy up top. Um, I mean, yes, yeah, okay, if you looked at that on paper, like, yeah. Yeah, we need to because, like, just uh, like I think it's important that just because she scored, doesn't she scored at any centre back is expected to score at a corner, right? Like, like it, that's it's, she it's, would be in that position regardless. She wasn't yeah. in a position to score because she got sent forward. She was in a position to score because she was a centre back at a corner. So yeah, yeah Sam, exactly. I think we are well and truly on the same page with that one. Yeah, the but ends like do chain... not justify the means in this particular uh, instance. That was a real desperation move, and I, 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 I think that 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 really exposed actually the situation that the Matildas were in and the situation that Tony was in in this game was that he doesn't seem to trust the game changes that he talks about. The fact that he threw on Alex Chidiak so late in the game, and then we saw how important she was and how many chances yeah. she created in that tiny pocket of time, like. Yeah, she had, what, 15 minutes, including that extensive injury time? Like, what the fuck? Why isn't this happening half an hour earlier? And, yeah, it it just it reeked of not trusting your full 23. Um, we talk, The message from him of all through the way has been 23 for 23, right? Um, and the other thing it did shine a light on again, which was talked about the other day when Mary Fowler was ruled out, was the Kaya Simon decision to bring her along. And we understood that at the time. I thought, you know, yeah. at the... And I'll, I'll say this, I'll, you can listen to any part. I, I said it at the time. If you feel like you've got 22 fit players and you can get to the um, to a really good spot and then Kai Simon is ready and you can say she'll be ready for the round of 16 or the quarterfinals and can come on and play 15 minutes and take a pen, fair enough. I just wonder if once they knew, because there was more than 24 hours, right, Once Sam, when Sam Kerr did that calf injury, um and they knew they didn't have it for at least two games. Is that where they should have maybe gone, actually, we need another body here, like an actual attacker, whether it was Amy Sayer or Larissa Crummer? Um, and I'm saying they would have been the answer, but it would have at least given another option. Anyway, that, that you know, instead there were two. And I think the Mary Fowler one is so unlucky with the concussion, though. But regardless, it was down to Fowler and Ford as strikers. And I think... It's been really tough. This should have been a really good tournament for Caitlin Ford. I know she's tried to take it on and had some moments, but you can tell how much not having Kerr there affects her game as well. But, yeah, anyway, it was it was not good last night. And just the um, – Claire Hunt disagreed with me in the mix zone when I asked her is that this is the first time that you've really been opened up as a defence because they were. Like, look at the third goal in particular. She felt there was more set pieces. She has every right to think that. But just some of the errors were poor. Um, I love Ellie Carpenter as a player, but I – Felt, I was saying even early in this stage to you, Sam, at the game last night, it feels like she's been off the boil in these yeah. two games. Um, I don't know if yeah. that's because of the demands on her to get forward. I don't know if it's because they're trying to get her to play more inverted. I don't know if she's carrying something, like players often play while carrying something, an injury, I mean, like a little injury niggle. Um, but she looked off. And for the the goal, like I know she had the unfortunate deflection, but it shouldn't really have got to that point in the first place because when the ball is getting played out wide – Carpenter is so high up the pitch and it's like, yeah, it, it was just such a hammer blow. I think that's so deflating going in with a one nil lead and game management. Um, I was talking to a couple of people about this in that very first press with Tony, Sam, you remember you were on it. Um, talked about, can you win the World Cup? That was probably the highlight one, but what do you need to do with this team? And he talked so much about game management. And that's something that the US Women's National Team were very good at. That wasn't game management in those final minutes after Emily Van Egmond scored. Um, Caitlin Ford got a yellow card. Hopefully that's not costly. Um, but to concede like that, like sort of on the counter late, is just so bad. And then, um, yeah, I think they'll all be pretty disappointed. The second goal, like not being able to clear your lines, not being able to just nullify a set piece. They got a couple of stabs at it. And we saw that with one that they um, sort of, I think Plumtree sort of accidentally poked wide in the first half where they got a couple of digs at it from the second ball. It's a talented enough team that it shouldn't all come down to second ball, but it felt like Nigeria played it smarter. They uh, Their intensity was next level to win those second balls and it wasn't there And for, um, for Australia, sorry. And, yeah, they timed uh, – Randy Waldron, I thought, timed his substitutes to perfection. I mean, you have someone, Oshawala and – she didn't score the next minute, but they scored the next minute and then she scores another six minutes later. And, yeah, the mix-up from 
Kennedy and Arnold was a shocker, as I said earlier. They'll both know that. But it just sort of rounded out a really, really, yeah, grim sort of picture of it all. I also thought we got very stretched in midfield, which is why I said Claire Wheeler would have been good to come on. And I know Katrina Gorey's doing a power of work. Kara Cooney-Cross is a young player, so, like, maybe probably hasn't had, you know, like like Sean, like maybe I think a few people thought she might be one of those breakout stars of this tournament. She's been okay but without anything in particular, but it just felt like needed something in there, like some extra run, some extra drive. Um, yeah, and it just wasn't there. Do you want ta- more takes or like? Is that yeah, you're know. here. You are here. Please give yeah. some takes. <laughs> um, I, sorry, I'm in a stairwell, so it's very echoey. Um, I, yeah, it was for me. I think, yeah, as you you guys have covered, it wasn't a, it wasn't a personnel thing. This game, it was a game management and coaching staff decisions game that lost us this match, and I, I just found it very baffling that. Alana Kennedy and Mackenzie Arnold, they, they had that moment. There was that goal. I haven't even, like, I don't even need to rewatch the highlights of that. Like, it will live in my brain forever. But um, so then put Alana Kennedy up front. I'm like, this is someone who's just made a huge mistake. Like, surely the confidence is not there. To then put the onus or, like, the responsibility of transforming that game onto someone who does not play as a forward predominantly, it was just so bizarre. Like, I cannot get my head around it. And, yeah, it's, I feel it's a bit it's, – we've, we've seen these moments before where we've lost important games due to decisions, but I just – I hadn't come into this World Cup thinking that it would continue to be a problem. Um, and, yeah, I just – Maybe it just felt like the decisions were very panic stations. It was um, not knowing exactly what to do. And that kind of, yeah, it sits in contrast. Like Alex Judiak is the obvious example. There's so many people who have gotten behind her and can see the value that she brings. And like you said, Harrow, there has been this narrative of game changers. And so everyone's kind of coming into it being like, well, we know that she can change this game. Like, why why was she not put on? Um, yeah, it was, yeah, better subs earlier is, like, kind of the obvious the obvious one. But, yeah, the trend, the, the, the long balls as well. And to Nigeria's um, defence, <laughs> defence pun, um, I think they, they defended very compact in a very compact way so when there were kind of opportunities closer to the goal there was always just bodies there like they and credit to Nigeria for what they've done there because it wasn't like they still had to do (laughs) do some do a lot of work to to get that win and the Oshawala the final goal the finish on that like incredible like still obviously had to uh, was not uh, we, we we perhaps were you know could have done a bit more defensively there but yeah to to get that finish that that that's what you need you need people to be able to finish in those big moments and it's just yeah it's just very frustrating and um, yeah the Alana Kennedy I just because obviously Tony and, and the coaching staff back in Alana Kennedy but I. I find it and I'm, I'm not going I'm not trying to go in on Alana or any, anything like that but she has come into the tournament not having played many minutes with Matilda so again I just find it a very interesting choice that it's like okay this is the player who's going to carry the burden basically of um transforming a game that was already already had a lot of pressure around it because of the the injuries and the the players that aren't there so I don't know but in saying all of that like I get <laughs> everyone's very deflated but it's um it's at the Griffith um sport and society gender sport and society symposium I'm recording this in the stairwell (laughs) at the campus here and we just had a panel and Tracy Holmes made a really good point that it's like the media we create the narratives around this team and I do think that like in acknowledging all the things that have gone wrong and acknowledging kind of that 
um, like the four of us, we have a lot of context and a lot of people have a lot of context that they can bring to this conversation to explain what happened and why. Um, I think there's also a responsibility to be like, I don't know, get not to sound like, yeah, the girls, oh, my God, twee, like get around the Matildas because I think the, the win, a win against Canada is not um, out of the realm of possibility. It's definitely not over. Um, and we've seen, again, I think it's, I don't know, I've, I've, I'm feeling a bit distrustful just based on the decisions of that game. It was just like kind of took me completely by surprise, again, because I just wouldn't have expected it, um, the kind of, yeah, game management that happened there. But, um, again, I think that we have the personnel. And the Australian, like, with the squad as well, I think everyone's behind their squad and know that they can do this job even with the injuries that have happened um, so I don't know. I feel like yeah, just like crossing fingers and toes, and we've you know there's been the miracle of Montpellier, the Redeemer of Kashima. We can we can do this. It's like the, the Matildas can do this. So I don't know, and I feel like yeah, there is a responsibility from us to push that forward as well. I don't know. Was that all very? Uh, no, it's all good. Um, I know what you mean. After the after the bottle job in Brisbane can come the miracle in Melbourne. Um, can I interrupt so, you, Harry, so? before you start? No, I was just going to say, Sam, do you have any final takes before you get booted out of your hotel? Like any final thoughts? Because <laughs> the three of us, yeah, the three of us, to walk around and like quickly pack my bag because I got a phone call from the hotel staff saying that I need to check out at 11. I was like, oh, God. Um, yeah. My What is my final take? Um, I, I like what you said, Angela, there about this is a terrible background. Um, I like what you said there about, like, having to, having to like, maintain the faith because, like, what what else is there? What else have we got? You know, we have to. We, we have to. This team, we've seen enough from this team to know that they're capable of doing this. Like, Yes, the media paints the narrative and we create the story and the expectations in a large part around this team. But we're not idiots. Like we we've we've create we've written these stories and we've created these expectations based on what we've seen, you know? Like it's not it's not unfounded and like maybe yes, it's it's surrounded by this sort of aura of 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 a fairy tale sort of finish and and we maybe look at them with rose-coloured glasses because of everything that they mean to us. But we've seen enough from the Matildas over the past year to know that they're capable of beating the best on their day. And on Thursday night, it just wasn't their day. And it was Nigeria's day. And Nigeria, you know, t- again, to their credit, they've, they've, they've deserved to, to have a day for a while. Like they were a very good side and they've battled really hard to get to this point. Exactly. Pay them. Like Randy Waldrum, the head coach spoke after the game and he was asked the question, like if this Nigeria team can do this to the co-hosts with the meager resources that you've got at your disposal, can you imagine like what you're capable of if you're actually supported properly? And he's like, well, yeah, like not just, not just Nigeria, but so many teams across Africa, like Mm. they're so underfunded and under resourced, but they have such quality players that they can achieve things like this if they, if they really put their hearts to it. So. And they bossed us in midfield as well all night, Sam. Yeah, they did. Absolutely. Yeah, and that was I think that was the sort of um the, the conundrum of, of throwing pain. Emily Van Egmond in there because she doesn't have the tempo, right? And you spoke about tempo earlier, Harrow, about how Nigeria just like they they fought harder, they were faster, they were hungrier, particularly in the middle. And Van Egmond is not that kind of player. And I feel like that's maybe why it felt like the midfield was a little bit mm. slow. Um and and Gori and Kudu Cross got quite overwhelmed regularly as well. They were losing lots of second balls, they were getting tackled, they were yeah. misplacing passes. Them and Carpenter ben, were turning it over a lot, I thought. Turning over a lot of balls, yeah. And because I think the the Van Egmond substitution in for Mary Fowler, it, it she just didn't have the the kind of intensity that I think that they needed mm. in there to it be delivered able to a goal, what Nigeria did. But it did not but, little but else. And compromise? I think she was I agree, Sam, and I think I also think she looked gassed at around the sixty minute by the sixty minute mark yeah. as well. If that, Which is and, when they you know, he's not playing a heap either. Yeah, it, the I, I felt like when she was named, I was like, I can understand that because you want experience, you want that class, you want that poise, and you know, she had her moments. But I agree, Sam, just that tempo wasn't there. And also, when I thought they would do that, my vibe was you do that and then you bring someone on for her. 
You know exactly. what I mean? And that's what like, I thought. That's what I thought would happen. That's why I thought I thought Chidiak would come on for Emily Van Egmond after the the hour mark, because that seems to be the most like like substitution. If you mm. want to keep up the intensity, Chidiak is a really intense midfield tricky player who'd be able to offer something different. But again, it was I think Angela summed it up perfectly. It was this was a game where the coaching decided the fate of the teams. 100%. It wasn't the players; it was the coaching. Um, yeah, and so hopefully, like Tony, uh, he said after the game that he will reflect back on the timings of certain decisions that he made. Um, but so. look, coming coming into Canada, like they, like they have to win. Uh, that's that's just the reality of it. And so they uh, he's going to have to make some really serious decisions. And if he makes the wrong ones, considering that this is the reason why he was brought here, it's. It's like this is this is his job on the line, I think. If he makes oh, the wrong agreed. decisions again, yeah, I think he's done. And everyone's paying the price really because it's how um home world cup and yeah. um this is this team of, you know, it's a golden generation. They're at their peak. If you say players peak is somewhere between, I don't know, twenty six and thirty one. All those players, Sam Kerr, Caitlin Ford, Steph Catley, Alana Kennedy, Tamiki Yallop, um, Mackenzie Arnold, a whole lot of these players, Katrina Gorey, all fit in that bracket. Like they're all going to, if it's like depending on how many are still around come the next World Cup, like they're not going to be at their peak anymore. And also it does, uh, Sam acrobatically steers her way out of Brisbane. Um, it does mean they don't really have a choice. Um, if Sam Kerr is past fit to play a role against Canada, they have to roll the dice. They don't really have a choice. If she's not fit, then... Well, that's shit. There's a real chance that we exit the tournament where she's going to be. She was meant to be the star, the face of the tournament, without her getting on the park. Um, but if she's fit to play any role, she has to. You, you you don't have the luxury to make a decision thinking about the knockouts anymore because you just have to get there. Um, hopefully, Mary Fowler's all good after that concussion. The the signs seem to be that she would be fine for Canada. Same with Ivy Lewick. Um, I, if Claire Polkinghorne is fit to play. To start, they might have to make that call. The other one that they, we didn't see at all with Charlie Grant, I'm really annoyed. I feel like she's been really good um, when Ellie was – if Ellie is struggling and you've got to get her through at least three group games, I don't know why you wouldn't have some trust in Charlie Grant. The other thing is if you're concerned maybe about some speed through the middle from your opponents, Steph Catley at centre-back is always an option and Charlie Grant can play on the left. Like, there's so many little things that didn't work and, um, yeah, they got done in behind for pace a fair bit as well. Um, Kennedy in particular. Um, but, yeah, they have to make the call on Sanko. They have to roll the dice. They have to play with some dare. You can't roll out a very similar approach to what we've seen in these two games. Um, I feel like the 4-4-2 works so well. It's effectively a 4-4-2. I'm not going to go into the details of it. You've got Sam Kerr and Caitlin Ford. Last night was Caitlin Ford and Emily Van Egmond. They work because they were central and they took the heat off each other and it stopped Kerr being isolated. But I feel like that front two has got drifted quite wide and I feel like we've lacked that presence centrally. We're not having someone come up and be that present. Which is something Sam Kerr does really well is very um, underestimated and Ford can do it as well. Um, we lacked, yeah, I already mentioned what we lacked in the midfield last night. And, yeah, this is the time to take the risk. You have to play your cards. Tony talked about playing his cards in the press the other day and did not do it, to be honest. If Alana Kendi going up front is your card, then it's it's not really a good enough one, is it? And that's, again, not to have a crack at Alana, but she's not a striker. And as Sam and I said, the goal didn't come because she's a striker. The game came, the goal came because she was a centre-back doing what centre-backs should do at attacking corners. Um, and the fact it came so late, I think, just sort of rubbed in how bad all our other ones had been. What was it, the 15th corner? So, yeah, the vibes are bad. The good news is it's not Norway. It's not this is tournament over, they've still got another game to turn it around. And what I like from a few of the players, and it was players like Alex Chidiak and um, Kyra Cooney-Cross, actually, like two young players who were very much like, yeah, we can pick ourselves up off the canvas. And Chidiak almost sort of rallied and was like pushing for it. Yeah, we've got to do it. It's a big game. You've got to step up. And a few of these players, quite a few of these players have experience in doing this. Um, and there's just so much on the line. If they didn't perform when I felt like there was less pressure on them um, against Nigeria, well, now it's time to show what you can do when push comes to shove. Um, I saw the report today that Canada have very much gone to ground with their media in the lead-up to this crunch game. 
I hope the Matildas embrace it. I hope they go, and that's partly me as a general, partly me as just take it on, like back yourselves in. Back yourselves in to win it. You can't do anything else. So, yeah. Marissa, any final thoughts from you? Have we missed anything? I've never had a thought about the Matildas in my life, actually. Um, I'm just here to push buttons. No, I... What more can I add that you guys haven't already said in half an hour of really good chat? <laughs> like, honestly. Um, bye, Sam. Bye, Angela. See you, um, Sam. See you, Angela. <laughs> the good so, news, as I've just said to our, in our group chat, Marissa, is it all comes down to a game in Melbourne, which we know historically has been a wonderful place for Australian football to have clutch games. I will mute you from this podcast <laughs> in, in place of a giant, comically large hook um, <laughs> to yoink you off the stage. Yoink me off the stage. Yeah. It's, it's been really bizarre because uh, – so I was talking with my editor, friend of the pod, ESPN colleague Mike Wise about this last night, and God love him, Wise is a very optimistic man. So he's like – our fate's still in our hands. Like, all they have to do is beat Canada. And I'm like, that is so glass half full of you. Like, can't relate at all. Um, but it is undeniably true. We're not relying on other teams for favours at this point in time. They just have to beat Canada, which is, I suppose, one consolation. Um, the other consolation is we don't have to kind of uh, sit and stew in this shit pile for lack of a better term because we're literally already match day minus three um yeah there's no time to dwell kind of beyond what was happening last night and what will happen I assume for the rest of today because the attention immediately needs to focus onto this Canada game and I thought it was really interesting um there was a question in the press conference about like not only how do you get this team back rearing physically but mentally, and Tony basically acknowledged that the mental aspect is probably the more important of the two here. Um, and I reckon I wrote this for my piece um, on ESPN.com.au that, like, getting the players ready mentally, I reckon, is going to be a lot easier than trying to re-recruit the nation to come back on this ride for one more game when basically everyone is somewhere in between dejected and just downright furious. Um, so I, I like good luck to Tony. I don't know how you kind of get people back on side. There's obviously going to be a lot of people, I would say majority people still want the team to do well, are still on the bandwagon, still want good things, still will have hope because we're all stupid football fans. Um, but I think there's going to be a not insignificant section who are just like, nah, you've cooked this, man. Up yours. I'm done. And you can't blame them, can you? Like... No, that's that's the other thing. I think uh, the other thing that I really thought about last night was just that people are so angry because they care, which is lovely. But, God, mm. it's a burden to care about this team when this is what's happening. You know what I mean? Um, and it was it's it's just the perfect storm of um, bad coaching decisions, things like the subs, the tactical moves, and just poor execution from the players. And they would know that they all look to move on pretty quickly. But those defensive errors they're pretty inexcusable for players this level. The game management, as I mentioned in the first half, just some of the hit and hoping. Even like I know there are a couple of late chances, but losing your heads like, and yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, they as you say they've got a chance to. Yeah, they'll have to pull off one hell of a miracle and Canada are hard to break down. Like, they've only been broken down by a Katie McCabe Olympico in two games so far. Let's forget. They haven't necessarily been that flash in attack, but, geez, yeah. And I think, as I said, if Sam Kerr is even slightly past fit to go, you have to gamble and she'll be pushing to play and I think you have to back her in. Yeah, like, I don't. I don't disagree. And I think she would know the risk if if you tell Sam Kerr you can play 20 minutes but there's a risk that you're going to ping your calf again. I think I know what she would do. I don't want to speak for her, but I think I know what a lot of players would do. Um, and if that's enough to create something, then I, I really feel for Sam Kerr. Um, I, I feel like this was meant to be her tournament and, yeah, that calf is yeah maybe going to mean she – doesn't play at all in it. So hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully we see her out there. 
but yeah, I, th- I think you're right, Marissa, in the sense that it's such a tight turnaround. I think that is a good thing because I reckon you could stew on this for a long time. Um, but they get the chance to sort of take the narrative forward. Um, as ever optimistic, Wisey said, it is in their own hands. But I, I imagine there'll have been some pretty honest truths um, spoken and there will be again today um, when they're all in recovery and that sort of thing. But you've got to change something up, right? Like it, it can't be the same 11 and then not really turning to – I sorry, when I say the same 11, like the same structure, it might be Fowler coming in for Van Egmont, right, and then not making changes. Uh, to me that was just like unforgivable. I think if your average punter he's watching on – and a lot of credit to the average punter who cares about football. I think if anyone watching on, even those who are tuning into the Matildas for a tournament and aren't football fans, say, subs? Subs? <laughs> anyone? Where are the subs? My wife, yeah. she has been asking about the subs. Where are the subs? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's like yeah. if the average punter can say that much and we're all saying that watching in the stands and none of us are football coaches and it just doesn't seem to be working and then as soon as the substitution is finally made, they have an impact, it, it just underlines it all, right? Mm-hmm. So no bueno. <sighs> yeah. Um, The other thing, I wanted to mention it. We don't have to get into it because it's just the two of us now. But what Angela was kind of alluding to. um, What Angela was kind of alluding to about like the media's responsibility in narrative. And I suppose just the, the quickness of how or how rapidly everything has sort of fallen to shit. I'm sorry I can't stop using the word shit, but I feel like there is no better adjective to describe all of this. Like, were we all insane for taking wins against Sweden, England and France positively? And now all of a sudden, like a week later, we're staring down the barrel of total and complete embarrassment. Like, do we have a, like, a week to blame, basically? Did we get, um... Did we get everyone else's hopes up too high? Did we get our own hopes up too high? Like this is what my existential crisis is currently taking shape as? Not necessarily because I think you can only read into what you see, if that makes sense. Um, Mm. That win against England was hard for one. Like they deserved all of those wins. Um, And I think at the end of the day, if you're not replicating it in the tournament, none of it matters. No one cares how many stats you can reel off about the top 20 players you've played or the, sorry, players, top 20 nations um, <laughs> you've, you've played and uh, the results you've got and how well you're going and yada, yada, yada. They're all friendlies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they flopped in the Asian Cup and they're in real danger of it happening again in this World Cup. Um, on a much bigger scale as well. <laughs> on a much bigger scale. Like it, like it would be just disastrous. Like yeah. I think I described last night's loss as disastrous and I think in my word for it since there's been a disaster class because it just felt like almost everything that could go wrong did. Um, yeah, it. I don't think it means that they're necessarily overrated because you can only read those results on face value but you can ask serious question marks over where was the plan B or even the extension of plan A because everyone got a really good look at what plan A is and how it works over that run of good friendly results. So you've got to anticipate that teams are going to try and counter that. And I think what really frustrates me even more, (laughs) and I'm just less despair, more more anger at the moment, sorry to everyone listening, I hope this is cathartic for you, Um, was that we saw that it can work, the substitutes, like backing them in early, Alex Chidiak, I think, has not been given enough minutes. Claire Will has certainly not been given really any. I know she's had a couple of knocks and that sort of thing, but um, I think is a great player to have as an option. And I think sometimes we look at her in the squad and you go, yeah, yes, a number six, but we forget how good she was for Sydney FC as an eight. That was actually the season that made her take off. And if you're playing effectively a midfield two that you want to run and run and run and run, then um, Claire Will, sorry, my laptop was not plugged in. It just let me know. Um when Claire Wheeler was a great option to have that. But anyway, I digress. Like the substitutes just weren't there. I know there was a level of limitation by Sam Kerr's absence and I don't need to go on to the Kai Simon thing because I already touched on it. But, yeah, just just not good enough. And it was interesting, like Elise Kellen Knight, who's someone who's, 
you know, was in the tent not that long ago before that Achilles injury. Clearly wasn't impressed with the lack of substitutions, was clearly frustrated. I think, yeah, you you can only read into what's in front of you, but, yeah, what's in front of me right now is a team that can pull it out in friendly matches and when the big stage comes isn't able to do it. And I know at the Olympics um, there was the GB game, but the Sweden game was they were hard done by. But when push came to shove in the US, um, the medal playoff match, I mean they didn't they weren't able to overcome the the heartbreak of Sweden. Fair enough, they weren't able to get the job done in the US game. So it's like this is a this Canada game is actually the chance to say let's buck the trend. They beat us in two friendlies. Let's beat them when it matters. This is our home soil. Like. Um, I thought the crowd was great in the second half last night, by the way, but it, it felt like it took until they were behind and chasing the game for the noise to really come. Did you feel that, Marissa? I'm not blaming the crowd by any means. That's just my vibes from Suncorp Stadium. Yeah, it was weird. Like, it was it was a great crowd. The vi- This is what has annoyed me as well. The vibes pre-match, once again, were absolutely impeccable. Like, if you had any kind of time on Caxton Street, even if it was just walking to the stadium, passing through. The vibes were incredible. The atmosphere was incredible. Um, and, yeah, the, I thought the crowd was good. Suncorp, I think, also just benefits from being kind of in the city or near enough to the city that the atmosphere extends out of the stadium mm. as well, which was very good. So many Tilly's kicks around town, like <gasps> – Whichever part of town I was in yesterday, I was seeing Tilly's kit. So full credit to everyone. Um, hopefully it Melbourne can bring the noise. So happy. Like, and like, get rowdy, get rowdy. Mm. Like that's what I want to say. I was talking about need. this with Alex, who's been filming all of my bits to camera that you may see on ESPN socials, um, and we were both saying that basically. We we both know what a, a full Amy Park looks like and can sound like and can feel like, and I have no doubt that it's going to be like that. It's going to be something special. It's just about whether or not the result can really take that to a next level of specialness. But the pregame vibes there are going to be unbelievable. But, um, yeah, eh, yeah, I got, I got nothing else. Shall we move on to... The rest of the world cup <laughs> yeah and just to reiterate a win we basically do need to win against canada technically <laughs> technically we can get through because remember it's simultaneous kickoffs everyone so if you're in brisbane find all your green gear and get yourselves along to suncorp <laughs> is the the vibe i'd have um ireland if ireland can beat nigeria that helps things as well but it doesn't matter because they're playing at the same time um, i'm sure that's the message they'll have must win Mm-hmm. Must win. Um, you can still it's... technically get through with a draw, and if Ireland do the thing, but again, Ireland have scored one goal in two games and are out of the World Cup, and it was a Katie McCabe Olympico. I don't really need to stress this anymore. So it's really down to doing it themselves. Yeah, I feel like even entertaining the the other permutations is just not worth it. It's win and you're in. Like, leave it at that. Um, Imagine that. You end up with six points out of the group. God. Anywho, that that doesn't that's 43 minutes of Dilly's chat. We should move on briefly, quickly. Um, because there were actually two other games yesterday, and one of them was absolutely fantastic. It was the 2019 final replay between the United States and the Netherlands. That one finished 1-1. Uh Jill Rod opened the scoring before Lindsay Horan's bonds did Proper what Lindsay Horan's bonds. <laughs> it was sensational. Um I was asked this question yesterday, so I'm now going to ask you in turn, was the 1-1 result fair? Was it an accurate reflection of the game? I think it was. I was convinced, like, after the US scored that equaliser, they were going to go on and win it. They just have this aura of inevitability about them. Um, Like, before we had our own Tillys meltdown, always very funny seeing US Women's National Team soccer Twitter, which is maybe the least rational place in the world. Um just seeing how they reacted to that. I thought it was pretty fair. Um, I thought um, Netherlands midfield absolutely bossed them. Um, it's just tough because he got only one Julie Ertz. Oh, no. Um, you must pick between having her as your reliable stopper at centre-back or having her in midfield being a force of nature. And I think they actually have made the right choice there in that they needed it. They, they clearly don't back who they can have alongside um, Naomi Germa 
Um, you know, Abby Dalkham is not available. They didn't pick Tiana Davidson in the end. I think her form hadn't been great. Um, but yeah, that 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 pairing seems to work. Um, I thought they got pretty well annihilated in midfield. Um, Savannah DeMello started and I feel for her because that was a tough game to get thrown into the fire on. Um, I think the main question might come out of that is if Rose Lavelle can only play 45, why not make it the first 45 and go from the very start, chuck her in, um, put the game on your terms because there's something about Rose Lavelle playing the Netherlands. Like she's a bloody fantastic player at any time, but they just can't figure her out. Um, I also really enjoyed um, Leon teammates Haran and Vanderdonk getting called in for a, a chat by the referee. Like it's the teacher being like, and now you apologize. you say sorry to Daniela, now you say sorry to Lindsay, and now let's not butt heads anymore. And unfortunately for Vanderdonk, um, Lindsay Haran was really angry and then she powered her head at home. I, I wouldn't, simply wouldn't make her angry. Um yeah, that, that was a great little response from her after, as I said, I thought the Netherlands midfield had been had been winning out for some time. Cracking game, though. It felt like a knockouts game. That was the vibe I got from it. It didn't feel like a group game. It, it felt like one where there was more on the line, and I know there would have been more at stake in the mental side of things, especially if you're the Netherlands. No, Viviana Minima, we know, but that history. Um, I was really impressed. I didn't think the Netherlands would play as well as they have, especially without Minima. Um we know the US have been a little bit shaky. Makes that group really fun. Um, Portugal also winning, so they're not actually out of this yet either. Portugal, they're not out of the equation fully. Um, the funniest outcome, of course, is if they beat the US. It's probably not likely. Um, the most likely outcome I think we can see is US beat Portugal by whatever margin and the Dutchies have got Vietnam, who I really feel for because um, the Netherlands want to put on a cricket score to top that group on goal difference. I believe the loser will come to glorious Melbourne, so there might be a, uh, you know, the, I think the appeal there is could you see the USA get knocked out in Melbourne? Or the nice way of putting it is could you see the US women's national team in glorious Melbourne? Clearly they're desperate to get there. Friend of the pod, Steph Young, loved Melbourne, so I think has been barrack- maybe even maybe even a little bit barracking for this to happen. Um, but not, not losing in Melbourne but playing in Melbourne, I feel like she'd be very happy with that. But, yeah, it was um, awesome. I really enjoyed that game. It was so much fun. I think the other thing we need to mention from the Vanderdonk Horan exchange was that they made up afterwards. They posted a selfie in I think it must have been the mix zone. Um, best friends, everything's fine. But Vanderdonk is wearing the swimming cap and every single photo of her wearing that swimming cap <laughs> simply just it made my day I did not know that it would probably end up being the highlight of my day because I wasn't aware of the events that were about to transpire when this game took place um but even just apparently there was a quote from her where the medical staff were saying no we're bringing out the cap we're bringing out the cap and she's just they're like no not the cap um so if you haven't seen the photo just google Daniela Vanderdonk swimming cup and have a little chuckle because it's very, very funny. Um, as we said, though, the other game was Portugal getting their first ever World Cup win against fellow debutants Vietnam 2-0. How much of this game did you actually see? Because I think we were both in the kind of process of getting to the stadium, doing pre-match kind of things. So it was on in the background, but there wasn't a lot of actual watching here. No. <laughs> There no, was not. Nothing. Sorry, that was Portugal game, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that was a real. We were in the media centre getting ready to go. Good for them, scoring a couple of goals after I thought they didn't offer a heap against the Netherlands going forward. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what they need to sort of kickstart a little bit and get them, get them firing and ready to cause some headaches for the US. That would be nice. But, yeah, I think we were all prepping for the, um, the Matildas game, unfortunately, with that 5.30 kickoff. And that was that on that. Um, do we have anything else? Like, wh- what other things happened? Was there anything else that we needed to make mention of from the day's action? Because I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but... Mm. 
I really enjoyed that um, Haiti put up their goalkeeper, Curly Tails, for the one of their press ops ahead of facing China. And um, I was having a listen to this and um, we know how good they were against England. And she basically said that, like, um, it feels like teams came in expecting to smash us and mm. then they haven't been able to. She's um, also, you know, one of the shortest goalkeepers at the World Cup, 162 centimetres tall. She was very, very good. Um against against England so I thought that was really I thought that was really nice just I quite enjoy seeing some of these press ops with the teams that you don't cover so much like because there's all these little moments that you can otherwise lose when you're so caught up in a in a campaign but no um oh the other note that I should have mentioned before the um before we wrapped up Tilly's chat was it seems like there is some doubt over Christine Sinclair to actually play in Monday's game, Bev Bruceman alluded to as much. We know she didn't start against Ireland and um, they've been a little bit cagey about it since. So, um, yeah, it will be very, very interesting. Like Bruceman said she was sort of limping at the end of that that match. So a bit of a watch and wait on both her, on Christine Sinclair as well as Sam Kerr ahead of that game. So we will be waiting to see what happens yeah see Sinclair's not the one I'm worried about because we've discussed this before we've watched her a lot uh live and have simply never seen her score but don't um, jinx it now Marissa <laughs> I was gonna say we don't, the need, one we don't more... need her ending the run on on Monday night uh, I, I'm more worried about Adriana Leon because we know that she just absolutely loves scoring in Australia and scoring against the Tillies so she is my concern for Monday night but I reckon that's us done for today. Tomorrow we will be talking to you about Argentina, South Africa, England, Denmark, which I think a lot of people are very excited about, and that China-Haiti game that you were just mentioning there. So lots to look forward to. We hope you've found something in this pod, um, no matter how you were feeling post-Tilly's game. As always, we're over on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app, as well as Spotify, Apple and Google, all of the usual pod spots. Make sure you subscribe so you get these daily pods right into your feed. If you want to have a chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, see yous.